Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Midweek Musings. This is episode five, the fifth week of the podcast. And if you're new here, hello, my name is Evie, and I'm a student at SAU. This is just a little thing I do for fun. This podcast is all about challenging our brains and our minds and thinking about philosophical questions, a little bit of science, you name it, we're going to talk about it at some point probably. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about serious topics and discussing a lot of facts and figures, so today I wanted to switch it up a bit, do something a little more fun, a little different. Today's episode is going to be about some of the most controversial food debates of our time, and to help me with that, obviously I'm going to bring in the evidence. But I also created a bunch of polls on my Instagram and lots of people voted. So aside from my opinion and the facts that I'm going to present, we'll also have the opinion of the general public as well, or at least my Instagram followers. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about several different food debates, but the first one is about candy corn, because I've noticed that you either love it or you hate it. So we'll start out with an easy one because this one doesn't really require a whole lot of research. It's really just opinion-based, not too controversial. So we can use it as a warm-up for the heavy hitters later. So the question I asked on my Instagram was, is candy corn amazing, tolerable, or does it suck? Those were the three options. (laughs) Personally, I am obsessed with candy corn. And every year when I first see it in the stores around like September, I literally freak out. It's like, this big thing. I have to get it right away or I'm not going to be okay. But then there's another part of me that doesn't want to have it right away because then it won't be special. You know what? Screw that in the future. I'm just going to get it right away because it's limited time. (laughs) Now, keep in mind this question relates to candy corn, not the mellow cream pumpkins because those ones I used to like when I was a kid, but honestly, they are kind of garbage and they kind of just taste like plastic don't at me on that. But candy corn, the corns are so good. So here's a little tidbit about candy corn. It starts as a mixture of sugar, fondant, corn syrup, vanilla flavoring, and marshmallow cream. And then the candy corn ingredients are melted into a liquid candy called slurry, which (laughs) that sounds so disgusting. So I'm really glad that I'm eating something called slurry. And I'm pretty sure they use slurry in making candy canes as well, because I remember watching a video and they talked about that. Either way, I don't ever want to think about eating slurry. So slurry is then colored and run through a cornstarch molding process to create each kernel. And then the individual layers are deposited from bottom to top, and then it hardens. All right, so after that like disgusting description of candy corn that's probably going to make you never want to eat it, here's the results of the poll. 26% of people said it was amazing, 30% said it sucks, and 44% said that it's tolerable. So people were pretty divided on this topic. So that's just interesting. There's not a lot else to talk about with that. But I was also kind of curious, and I didn't ask this, but like, <laughs> what order do you eat your candy corn in? Because I went online and apparently it's like this big debate. And I guess people are eating it in bites, which I didn't know because I just eat one candy corn at a time. But I guess some people like bite the white tip off or the orange base and there's like an order that they have to eat it in. But um, I guess I'm just not a chipmunk who gnaws on candy corn. (laughs) I'm like a person with a human sized mouth. The white tip is like so small that half the time it's non-existent. So I feel like if you're eating your candy corn in bites, you have an issue. Uh, Yeah, don't come for me or do. Okay, moving on. So the next question was about sprinkles. Because another controversial food topic is, are sprinkles good or bad? 
I didn't even include a quote-unquote tolerable option in my poll because in my opinion there is not a gray area when it comes to sprinkles. They're either good or they suck. For me, sprinkles are the worst. They're the bane of my existence. Okay, yeah, they're cute. I get it. They look pretty, but honestly not really that pretty. Anything you can achieve with sprinkles, you can achieve with frosting. And that's on facts. (laughs) Their taste is anything but cute. It is literally nothing. It tastes like nothing. Or, even worse, when it tastes like plastic. Because why would I want to willingly eat something that tastes like plastic? It's just like those pumpkins from earlier. Like, I'm not going to do that to myself. Every year in my household, we make white pretzels at Christmas time, which are just pretzels dipped in almond bark. And when I was a kid, I used to love putting sprinkles on them to decorate. And now I hate it when anybody (coughs) my sister (coughs) sorry something got caught in my throat I hate when anybody wants to put sprinkles on them because then it just ruins them for me because it it just the texture is gross the taste is off oh anyways if you need to be further convinced that sprinkles are nasty just listen to this description of how they are made okay it's worse than candy corn confectionery sprinkles are itty bitty pieces of candy that are used to decorate or add texture to desserts That is the definition that I found online. If you are using the words itty-bitty in your definition, (sighs) anyways, they're made of sugar, corn syrup, cornstarch, shortening, food-grade wax, artificial coloring, and flavoring. The ingredients form a thick, doughy paste that is pushed through an extruder with tiny holes to make very thin noodles. Mmm, doughy paste in an extruder. (laughs) Oh my god. Those noodles are broken into approximately sized pieces and then sprayed with color and hardening glaze. Mmm. Again, hardening glaze. Oh, tasty. <laughs> Some sprinkles aren't even meant to be eaten. In my research, I found that a lot of sprinkles actually say for decorative purposes only. And people don't even know that because they just assume if it's on food, you can eat it. But a lot of like a lot of sprinkles that are bigger, like the round silver balls, you're not supposed to eat those because they contain, um, I don't remember what they contain, but it's like paint or something. Like the, cl- the coating on the outside, you're not supposed to eat. Anyways, why are we still eating sprinkles? According to my Instagram polls, 59% of people think that sprinkles are good and the other 41% say that they suck. So step it up, people. Hate sprinkles. Moving on. <laughs> the next food debate is... One that is very frustrating to me, and the question really only exists because of the internet, because the internet is where people with stupid ideas meet other people with stupid ideas, and then suddenly you question the existence of an entire food category. So this question is, is a Pop-Tart a ravioli? If you can't tell, I'm on team Pop-Tart is a Pop-Tart and ravioli is a ravioli, and they aren't the same thing by any means, but that's just me. Because 11% of respondents in my poll said that a Pop-Tart is, in fact, a ravioli. So here's a definition of a ravioli, as well as a Pop-Tart for comparison. These are from Oxford Dictionary, by the way, not just my brain. Even though my brain could tell you that they're not the same thing. But I digress. Ravioli are a type of pasta comprising of a filling enveloped in thin pasta dough. Usually served in broth or with a sauce, they originated as a traditional food in Italian cuisine. Ravioli are commonly square, though other forms are also used, including circular and semicircular. Pop-Tarts, on the other hand, is a brand of toaster pastry distributed by Kellogg's since 1964, consisting of a sweet filling sealed 
inside two layers of thin rectangular pastry crust. Most varieties are also frosted. Although sold pre-cooked, they are designed to be warmed inside a toaster or microwave oven. Those definitions do not sound the same at all. The main difference I'm hearing is the pasta dough and pastry crust disparity. Pop-tarts are certainly not made with pasta dough, and ravioli is definitely not made with pastry crust. So I think it's safe to say that, scientifically, a pop-tart is not a ravioli. <laughs> All right. I think we've settled that one. And if you have a compelling argument for any of these and you know how to reach me, go for it. I'm not going to include my contact information in this because I'm quite honestly afraid of the ravioli people. <laughs> um, and it's going to get worse with this next one. This next one is super divisive. The question is, are boneless wings just chicken nuggets. 65% of people said yes, boneless wings are just chicken nuggies. And you know what? This one makes me so mad because every time that I've ever gotten boneless wings anywhere, which has been pretty infrequently, let's be honest, there's always that one person who's like, oh, you know, those are just chicken nuggets. As if like eating boneless wings makes me less of a person. It's like, okay, even if they are chicken nuggets, so what? They're better. But anyways, let's, we'll get back to that later. This question had recent legal bearing when a Chicago man sued Buffalo Wild Wings over their food because he was under the impression that their boneless wings were real wings from the chicken that had the bones removed. Instead, the wings are actually made of chicken breast meat that is shaped into a wing. So Buffalo Wild Wings even tweeted this snarky comment after the lawsuit. Quote, it's true, our boneless wings are all white meat chicken. Our hamburgers contain no ham. Our buffalo wings are 0% buffalo. End quote. It's like, dang, buffalo wild wings? Like, who runs this account? And also, save some sass for the rest of us. You are a corporation. <laughs> Anyways, the man who sued them wasn't wrong, though. A chicken wing is defined as an unbreaded chicken wing section that is generally deep fried and then coated or dipped in a sauce consisting of a vinegar-based cayenne pepper hot sauce and melted butter prior to serving. Boneless wings are not chicken wings with their bones removed. They're pieces of breast meat cut into the shape of chicken wings that the chefs carefully bread, deep fry, and slather in hot sauce. So I think the definitions kind of prove that a chicken wing or a boneless wing and a real bone-in wing are not the same thing. But here's what will really seal the deal. So after some quick research, I found that when they're making chicken nuggets, they dump the chicken into a bin, they grind it up down to shreds combined with the chicken skin, and that's combined with a beige paste used as a binding agent. And then that is all dipped into batter and like parceled out and stuff. And that kind of sounds an awful lot like how boneless wings are made. So unfortunately, even though I don't like it, I'm going to have to say yes, boneless wings are actually just chicken nuggets because they're made the exact same way. It's really just the difference in like breading versus having like hot sauce and buffalo sauce on it. And I think that's fine because I'm going to say this. There is no right or wrong way to enjoy your wings, bone in or bone out. So don't let anyone make you feel like less of a person because you want boneless wings. They're the ones who will be sorry when they're picking at the bone for eight years trying to glean a tiny amount of meat while you're eating yours with a fork and it's 100% meat, no bone. So honestly, you're just getting like more free, more bang for your buck, you know? We can move on from there. Um, 
The next question that I wanted to know the answer to is the correct way to eat an Oreo. For this question, I looked at four possible answers, and on the poll I put on my Instagram, I included pictures as well. And since this is an audio platform, I'm just going to describe the pictures to you so that you can kind of like imagine what the different four options were. So the first one, the first way to eat an Oreo is with a fork. The fork is stabbed into the white filling and generally used as a way to dip it into milk without getting your fingers wet. 19% of people said that this is their preferred way to eat an Oreo. The second way is split in half, meaning it got twisted open so that one side is just cookie and one side is cookie and then the white filling. 31% of people reported eating their Oreos this way. The third way is as is, just good old-fashioned, take a bite out of it, nothing fancy. 43% of people said this. And then the last way is broken into pieces. This is similar to twisting it open, but instead of taking your time, you just break it however which way you want. And 7% of people answered this. Well, apparently, all of us were wrong. (laughs) Because a while back, Oreo, the company, the brand, released the correct way to eat one of their cookies according to science. Which, I, when I read this online, I was floored because I didn't realize that they had thought about it. According to Oreo, we're supposed to twist the cookie and then lick the frosting to activate it and then dunk it into milk. I refuse to accept this as the correct way because you will not catch me licking my cookie before I eat it. And I think it's silly because the frosting is still only on one half. So is the other half just meant to like get thrown away? Like, what are you supposed to do with that? They don't say. But I think because of Oreo's official position on how to eat an how to eat one of their cookies, we have to give the win to the cookie twisters, option number two, since it's the closest. So 31% of people eat their Oreo the correct way. And I have to say, that includes me. So, all right. Our next question is one that lights a fire of rage inside me. And it's <laughs> the question of, is cereal soup? <sighs> Another argument that only exists because someone on the internet decided they wanted to create a stir. And now that I'm reading what I have written in my notes, that's a really good pun. So you're welcome. Someone within the last few years said that cereal is just a cold soup, and then people started agreeing. Why? I have no idea. And yet 24% of people that follow me agree (laughs) that cereal is a soup. Here is the definition of soup. We're going to finally get to the bottom of this because I will not be having this argument anymore after today. Soup is a primarily liquid food, generally served warm or hot, that is made by combining ingredients of meat or vegetables with stock, milk, or water. Hot soups are additionally characterized by boiling solid ingredients in liquids in a pot until the flavors are extracted, forming a broth. Now, here is the definition of cereal. Cereal is a grassy grain used for food, like corn or wheat, but if someone offers you a bowl of cereal, don't expect a pile of grass. Cereal is also a popular breakfast food served in a bowl with milk. You can use the word cereal when you talk about a grain crop, the harvested grain, or the prepared breakfast food. The way that I just shut that debate down. Even if you're talking about hot cereal, like oatmeal, it does not pass the definition test because I am still not seeing vegetables, meat, or broth in breakfast cereal. And that is what sets the two apart, other than the fact that they're literally two different things. Thank goodness I was right about this one. 
definition wise, I was right. I would have had to quit this podcast, hang up my headphones forever if I was wrong. <laughs> because I, I came in so confident thinking that cereal and soup were different things, which they are. So the 24% of people that thought cereal is soup, I'm sorry guys, but that's just not so. Okay, moving on from such a heated topic. Here's another just like fun opinion one. There's not really a way to prove it, but I wanted to include it because I was interested to see what people would say. So the question is, what is your favorite part of the brownie? The corner, the side, or the middle? 30% of people said they liked the corner the most, 20% said the side, and 50% said the middle. I personally like the side because you get you get like some middle and some edge on a corner. I think it's too much edge, but a middle has no edge and the edge is honestly really good. The only proof I could find about that one was people just arguing opinions on the internet. <laughs> um, ew, who would do that? Definitely not me. That was just for fun, but let's move on because the next few are basically what started this entire episode. So that brings us to the dreaded sandwich test. What qualifies as a sandwich? I asked two separate questions. One being, is a taco a sandwich? And number two being, is a hot dog a sandwich? This one encompasses a lot of things though, such as burgers, pulled pork, PB&J, grilled cheese, wraps. All of those have been brought under fire about whether it's a sandwich or not, but I didn't have time to talk about every single one, so I picked tacos and hot dogs because those are the most heated ones online. Starting with the taco. On my poll, only 8% of people thought it was a sandwich. This one's surprisingly easy to settle, though, because, the de- because I looked at the definitions of tacos and sandwiches online. It's literally all it took. A taco, according to Oxford Dictionary, is a Mexican dish consisting of a fried tortilla, typically folded, filled with various mixtures such as seasoned meat, beans, lettuce, and tomatoes. A sandwich, on the other hand, is a food typically consisting of vegetables, sliced meat or cheese, placed on or between slices of bread, or more generally, any dish wherein bread serves as a container or wrapper for another food type. And that right there kills any argument that taco people might have for it being a sandwich. Because a taco uses or tortilla, and a sandwich uses bread. Case closed, not open for further debate. I have never once had a taco that didn't use a tortilla. Unless it was like a taco salad, but I don't think anybody's arguing that to be a sandwich. (laughs) Now with the hot dog, the debate gets fuzzier because a hot dog is served on a bun, which is technically bread. 73% of respondents to my poll said that hot dogs are not a sandwich though, so I was curious to see where this was going. I feel that a hot dog is not a sandwich because a bun is generally one piece, and I think for it to be a sandwich, it should have two pieces of bread or a bun, which that still would go for like a half of a burger because you've still got like a top and a bottom, but I'm then that reminded me about like open-faced sandwiches where you just have stuff on one piece of bread, and I don't think that's a sandwich personally. Like We can call it an open-faced sandwich, but I think if we're getting down to the nitty-gritty that does not count. Now, if you take one piece of bread, cut it in half, and put stuff between it, I think that is a sandwich. Also, if you were to go to a restaurant and a hot dog were on the menu, would it be under the category of sandwiches? No, it wouldn't. Chances are it would be its own category because that's what it is. I think it's its own thing. There was not a solid answer anywhere that I could find other than people arguing both sides of this this coin. But I think that a hot dog is a hot dog 
a taco is a taco, a burger is a burger. And I don't think that they're, I don't think a hot dog is a sandwich because here's some things that I would say are sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly. You got peanut butter, jelly between two pieces of bread or one piece cut in half. Grilled chicken sandwich. You got it on a bun, top and bottom bun, pulled pork, top and bottom bun. Same with a sloppy joe, a BLT, a grilled cheese. It doesn't matter what the content of the sandwich is. Some people would say that it does, but I do not think so. It matters the amount of bread that's wrapping it, in my opinion. A hot dog is one piece that's connected. Now, if you were to take a hot dog and put it on a two pieces of regular bread, I think that would count as a sandwich. But that's not really a hot dog, per se. That's like, that's like we ran out of buns and somebody has to eat it on bread. <laughs> and I know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did say that a hot dog is a sandwich. But, I'm sorry, RBG, like, I respect you so much. But I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to have to disagree. This might be the only one where we don't have a solid answer. So... That's kind of frustrating, <laughs> but I'm going to keep moving on because if I talk about the hot dog one any longer, I'm probably going to get extremely frustrated. Anyways, I could talk about it for ages, but we're going to get to the final debate. Is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? In my poll, 69% of people said that it's a fruit and only 31% said vegetable. Quite honestly, that is shocking to me because when I think of a tomato, it's 100% a vegetable because that's what makes more sense in my head. I don't actually have any strong reasons other than that it fits in with vegetables more, so I think it should be one because when I think of fruits, I'm thinking apples, bananas, strawberries, grapes. Vegetables are like corn, peas, green peppers, tomatoes. Tomatoes fit in that category so much more. But anyways, that's just my opinion. So here's like the definitions and stuff. If you're not just going to take my word for it, which you shouldn't because, you know, that's an opinion. Vegetables are parts of plants that are consumed by humans or other animals as food. The original meaning is still commonly used and it applies to plants collectively to refer to all edible plant matter, including the flowers, fruits, stems, leaves, roots, and seeds. Meanwhile, in botany, a fruit is a seed-bearing structure formed from the ovary after flowering. Fruits are the means by which flowering plants disseminate their seeds. The main difference here is, if you can get past all those fancy words, is that the fruit comes from the flowering part of the, the plant and has seeds. So then unfortunately for me, and everyone who agrees with me, um, that would classify tomatoes as a fruit because of the way that they come from a flower and have seeds. But there's more. There are some instances in which a tomato can be considered a vegetable. For example, in culinary classification. Tomatoes in culinary classification are a vegetable because of the texture, taste, and cooking needs. So in botany, tomatoes are a fruit, and in cooking, they're a vegetable. So I'm just going to go out Go ahead and say that everybody is right about this. In a way, everyone's also wrong, but we're just going to think about it in a positive way. A tomato can either be a fruit or a vegetable, depending on what angle you're taking. So next time somebody asks, use that to back your, your answer up, and you got a foolproof answer there. 
All right. That about wraps it up for today. And I'm so glad I did all that research because now whenever anyone brings up their incorrect opinions about any of these foods, again, I'll be able to shut them down. And you will too. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you everybody for listening to this kind of all over the place episode, but hopefully you liked it because I'm trying something new. We're seeing if a little bit lighter, more fun episode will work too. Come back next time on 106.1 at 6.30 on Wednesday nights or find me on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. I will see you next time on Midweek Musings. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA-FM, St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose University. 